0: I'm just taking a breath, and I go, whew, and he's like, that's it? That's all I got in me, man. You know, over the past uh, seven years, I've had the privilege and the opportunity to coach FCA baseball teams and be a part of those teams, and uh, it's really a team made up of a bunch of kids that want to play competitive, and they want to have the opportunity to do devotions as a team and pray as a team and play God's way, if you want to put it that way, and it's been fun to be... a a part of those teams but here's the thing what happens is when we get done actually we start practice and end practice and we before a game and after game this is what we do we we get together and one of the kids lead us in prayer and whatever kids lead us in prayer when we're all done that kid then gets to lead the team cheer and with everybody all grouped together hands in He's sort of, you know, it's sort of funny because sometimes, depending on the age of the kids, their voice cracks, so it's, it's hard as a coach not to laugh when, like, who are we? You know, you're know, you a 13-year-old, that's what you are, so. But all hands in, and, and especially the little 8-year-olds, they're fun, she's like, who are we? But they, 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 everything they got in them, they just muster up, like, who are we? What do we say then, Aiden? FCA baseball. And then that same kid goes... One, two, three, and then everybody goes, Tigers, and we take off. That's what we do. And it's, it's a blast doing that, but here's the thing. Everybody at that ballpark or at that practice, they now know who we are. We came together, we shouted it out, we go practice hard, we play hard, we compete hard, we bring it back together, and everybody around the ballpark, they heard us, they know. That's FCA baseball. That's a good thing, and that could be a bad thing, because here's the thing. We go then and try to play and compete and live out our faith, but here's the problem. We're not perfect. Okay. We're not flawless. We make mistakes. We will probably do things that aren't Christ-like. We might say something that's not Christ-like, and now everybody is like, hey, that's FCA baseball. Do you see what they just did or said? So, even though we just shouted out our identity and we try to live it out we will make a mistake on occasion but just because we made a mistake doesn't mean we get kicked off the team and just because we made a mistake doesn't mean we're not a christian it just means we made a mistake but we still shout out our identity and i was thinking about this because in the same way as a church. We gather together, not for a clever cheer. It's not not at the end of the service we're all going to put our hands in. Who are we? True North Church. One, two, three, be the church. Okay, we're not going to do that, okay? That could work, but we're not going to do that. But we do come together as a church body to sing to God, to pray to God, to open up the Bible and see, God, what is it that you want us to learn so we can take it and we can go and go be the church? And just like those ball players, they exit the huddle and they go and compete and they play. We exit the church to go be the church, to go live it out. And will we mess up like those ball players? Yes, we will. And people will say, Hey, I thought you were a Christian. And you'll say, I am. I will mess up though. Not purposely, sometimes unintentionally, but we don't get kicked off God's team when we mess up, nor do we stop striving to live out our faith. We seek forgiveness. We go to our Heavenly Father who will forgive us. As it says in 1 John one nine. if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just, to forgive us of our sins. So we go to that God and we ask for forgiveness of our sins, but then we strive to live then those holy lives, those pleasing lives to God. Now when we arrived at our last message, um, in our sermon uh, series, we were talking about knowing what we believe. And believe it or not, this is the last message of that sermon series. We want you to know what we believe as a church. We want you to know that here at True North, this is what we believe about God. This is what we believe about Jesus Christ. This is what we believe about the Holy Spirit. This is what we believe about the Bible. This is what we believe about sin and salvation. Today, this is what we believe about the church. We need to understand what the church is all about. After all, you gathered here today. Why are you here? What's the purpose of what we are doing right now? See, when I was growing up, I don't know what your upbringing up, bringing was in the church. I've shared mine probably multiple times with you all, and you're all probably like, yeah, we've heard that one before, right? But Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, any night that the church doors were open, missionary conference, whatever it may be, the Stump family was there in full force. Four brothers, one sister, mom, dad. And as we got married and started having kids, they're all. everybody's going to the church. We were there. And here's the thing. No ball games. No family get-togethers. No um, work schedule. No homework. No sleeping in. Nothing kept us from attending church. It was non-negotiable. But what about the, nope. But what about, nope. I, you know what, I, I broke my foot. I think it was like a third grade maybe. I jumped out of a tree. My cousin dared me. Um, I, I did it, you know, peer pressure kids. We'll talk about that later, okay. So here's the thing, I, I landed, broke my foot. That was Sunday afternoon. I got home that night and my mom and dad were like, well, I guess you can't go to church. not going to church i got to watch the wonderful world of disney sunday nights six o'clock seven o'clock i can't remember what time it was I, i don't know we were in the vehicle leaving off the church sunday night i got to watch disney well i had a broken foot that was the downside of it but that was like the only excuse i ever had for not going to church unless obviously you know you're really really sick i mean really really sick Okay? If you could cough and not shake the pew, you're going to church. But if you coughed enough to shake the pew, you're staying home. Now, I know it sounds crazy, right? But that's how I was raised. And why is that? Because the church. The church was the foundation for how we learn to live. Okay? Hollywood, social media, your peers, your neighbors, society, this culture. That is not how we learn to live. But a lot of people are taking their cues from this to learn how we should live, right? We learned how we should live by going to church. We understood God's word. The church was where we discovered it. It's where we found hope in troubled times. It's where we found peace when we were fearful. It's where we found encouragement. It's where we found direction for making the right choices. The church was mighty and it was rich in raising me. And I look back at it now, and I'm very thankful for the church because it's molded me into who I am today. Not perfect, but without the church, I don't know where I would have been. So I'm thankful for the church. But here's the thing. The church wasn't perfect. The church is rigid, full of rules. I mean, it was very legalistic. There was all these things you couldn't do. You shouldn't do. You better not do. That's what it was all about. It seemed more important that I follow rules than loving God. Matter of fact, if I made a mistake, if I sinned, I thought God hated me. He must hate me right now because I just messed up. How do I get things right, right? Seriously, in our church, when I graduated from high school, I went to Taylor University. My oldest brother went to Bob Jones University. Now, if you know anything about Bob Jones University or Cedarville or Pensacola... They're very strong Baptist schools. That's where you're supposed to go if you're going to go to college, if you go to a Baptist church. I went to Taylor. I was considered a rebel. Okay? Seriously. Taylor University is a great Christian school. But it was like, I might as well have just said I'm going to go to a state school, get drunk and partied up and, you know, live a horrible life. Because I was going to Taylor. And it's like, that's not even like that kind of school. But because it wasn't those other schools, I was a rebel. Here's what I learned growing up in church. Muslims do not recognize the Jews as God's chosen people. Jews do not recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Protestants do not recognize the Pope as the leader of the Christian world. And Baptists don't recognize each other at the movie theater. Right? That's what I learned. I was going to throw in liquor store, but the movie theater was worse. Okay. The church wasn't perfect, but here's what it did. It built a strong biblical foundation in my life. That's what it did, and that's my church story. Now, my question would be to you is, what is your church story? Now, for some of you, if you're 10 years old, and younger, and you've been a part of this church, this has been your church story. But for many of us, rewind back 10-plus years, 20 years, what's your church story? What kind of church did you grow up in? What was your pastor like, your Sunday school teacher like? How did things go in the congregation? i understand that not all churches look good okay i understand there are a lot of churches that are very troubled right now with a lot of sin going on in those churches i was just talking with a friend uh this past week and he said things have gotten worse at this church that he used to be at and i said what do you mean worse?" he goes well last sunday night they had to call in the police it's like what do you mean he's like yeah during the sunday night evening service um a brother-in-law got in a fight with another brother over here and an 85-year-old man got into a fight and they had to call on the police. I'm going, an 85-year-old man got into a fight with you and they all, they're all fighting at a church service? He goes, yep. Wow. Let me ask you something. How do you think that church in that community is going to be remembered? As the church that fed the poor? That took care of the needy? As the church that reached out to share the gospel? Or the church that had to call the cops? That's rough. Let's take it to another extreme. Maybe it's not just bad things that happen in certain churches. Maybe it's sometimes where some churches can be very, I don't know, let's, let's just get out there and just get really entertaining where it's all about the band or it's all about the pastor. Where I've seen some pastors who, you know, they're out there, they're signing autographs and taking selfies with people. It's like, really? You're a pastor. You're not a celebrity. You're in the worship team. You're not a celebrity. But those are the kind of things where then the church looks, and I should say, people outside the church look at the church and they're like, "Why would I want to go there? Look what kind of mess that is. Look what they're, they're just like the rest of the world." And you have people then going church shopping. I had to actually do that. 11, 12 years ago. It was the first time I ever did that before in my life. I was actually going around trying to find the right church for me, to fit me. And here's the problem with this. I was trying to find the church that was right for me. It would fit my needs. It would be good for my schedule, for my personality. Well, that's understandable, but here's the thing. The church is not about me. If I make it into a, I'm church shopping, I am now a what? A consumer. I'm going out trying to find the right fit. That could be a dangerous thing. See, at True North, let me just say this about our church, okay? We don't claim to have it right. Okay? Just so I'm not going to stand up here and bash another church or bash that church or say our church is best because I understand this. We live in an imperfect people filled with or an imperfect world filled with imperfect people. And so when we gather in a church, we are a bunch of misfits who love the Lord Jesus Christ. We will not be perfect in what we do. We will make mistakes. And so when we look around at other churches, instead of pointing finger, let's pray for them. As we should be praying for our church. But when you go through your church history and my church history and we look around at all the various things going on in churches. and the various scenarios, we can be uh, really confused about what the church should look like. I think our expectations can probably go all over the place. This is the way the church should be. This is the way the church should be. Well, I think this is what the church should be. So here's what happens. People leave the church because it's boring or it's irrelevant to their life or it's scandalous or stuffy. Use whatever word you want. But in looking up online and checking out and researching what's going on in the church today, churchleaders.com in the Gallup poll discovered this. Less than 20% of Americans attend church today. Think about that. Less than 20% of Americans attend church today. The church has become such a confusing, um, irrelevant, bothersome place for people that they just check out. They don't go anymore. They leave the church. And I understand this. Nobody wants to go to a bad church, right? Nobody wants to go to a bad restaurant either, right? But just because this one restaurant may be cooked food bad doesn't mean that this restaurant over here is bad. Just because they had dirty, sticky tables that you put your arms down and you go, you're like, I don't like this place, okay? I get it. You probably don't want to go back there. But just as you go to a church over here that may not be all what you thought it was being cracked up and it's bad, that doesn't mean every church is that way. But some people go ahead and just sort of categorize and put it into one big bundle. They disengage from the church. But I think about this: the church wasn't always that way. The church was not always this way. At one time, the church was it was vibrant, it was growing in numbers. People were being healed. People were excited. Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. The book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Did you open up to Matthew? chapter 16. Jesus is with his disciples. He's in a place called Caesarea Philippi. It was named after an emperor of Rome. Location was really splendid is the way it's described. Located in a very lush and fertile of Mount Hermon, the city was perched on top of this sort of rock formation. a Massive rock formation. However, the city was full of a collection of temples. Temples for every god you could think of. Temple for the Roman emperors. Temples for Greek gods. Temple for other gods. There was all kinds of temples on this massive rock formation where they're at. So you can imagine as Jesus is with his disciples amongst all this beautiful place, but yet filled with so many temples, Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. Look with me at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He points himself. Now listen, this isn't a poll check. This isn't a, hey, what do you think of me? We've talked about this in a previous sermon, okay? Verse 14, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. The son of the living God. Jesus looks at Simon Peter and says this. You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has declared this to you. There's no way Simon knew this except for that somebody like God to tell him this is who Jesus is. you are not learned this from any other human being, Jesus said. Now, like I said, this was more than just a poll like, hey, who do people think I am? How do you think I'm doing, guys? No, no, no. Jesus wanted to get a little understanding. Do you guys really know who I am? Because my next statement is pretty huge. But you need to know who I am first. Simon Peter nails it. He goes, you're Jesus, son of the living God. Excellent. God told you that. Right on. Here we go. Verse 18. Now I say to you that you are now Peter. Name change. Which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus turns the conversation to the church. But before we can talk about church, you better know who the foundation of the church is. Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you know who I am. You're the Son of God. Great. Now we got the foundation. Now Simon, who I'm calling Peter, you are going to be the rock. Upon you, we will build this church. Now, the church isn't built upon Peter. The foundation is Jesus. But upon God's people, Peter and the other disciples... This is where the church is going to start rolling. Who will build this building? As I just said, it's Jesus. But guess what? When you think about this, this is such a bold statement. Jesus says this, the power of hell will not conquer it. Think about this. Even this morning, you know, I know the worship team and a lot of people are just praying for it today. Why? Because we know if Satan wants to do anything, he doesn't want this to happen right here. You do know we have a spiritual opponent, right? How many times have you heard me say that Jesus said what? We've got somebody that's going against the thief. That person who's against us, the thief, Satan, has come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I've come to give life and give it abundantly. We have somebody that wants to take us out. We've got a spiritual opponent. Satan doesn't want anything like this to happen. He doesn't want a bunch of happy people showing up at church. He doesn't want people who are seeking a new life in Christ, seeking church. They don't want, he doesn't want us here. So any little thing that can go wrong is probably going to go wrong this morning. Arguments at home, arguments in the vehicle on the way here. Can't find a parking spot. I got to park in the grass. You know, okay, whatever, something's going to happen. Sound. There it goes the mic. You know, we just don't know what's going to happen, right? Guess what? Church is still undefeated in preaching the truth about Jesus Christ. Amen. The church has its enemies and we've talked about that. million. Yaroslavsky, which I probably am going to really mess up his name, he was a Russian politician. He was a journalist. He was a proclaimed atheist. He closed churches. He shut down theological schools. He put pastors in prison. He even killed pastors. He hated the church. He hated God. But you know what he said in the end? Check it out. Read the quote. Christianity is like a nail. The harder you strike at it, the deeper it goes. Oh, you got that one right. You might have been wrong about who God is, but you got that right. Although the church is often under attack, filled with flawed people as we are, God has a mission for us. God has a mission for his people, the church. Change the world, right? With a mission like that, we have our work cut out for us, don't we? Fortunately, the church is not an inanimate building structured of wood and mortar and brick. The church is more than this. The church is the people of Jesus Christ with His Spirit living within them. You're on a mission to change the world. The church is a group of like-minded people committing to live as Jesus lived. And how should we live? We don't have time to go through all this, but as I look through Scripture... I look and I say, we the church, we are to help others, we are to make disciples, we are to preach the word. We are to worship, we are to give, we are to encourage one another, we are to pray. We are to study God's word, we are to teach and care for the helpless and heal and love one another. And that's just small list. So this morning I want to try to narrow this down. Turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter two, forty-two. In the book of Acts 2 42, after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, he's gone and ascended into heaven. He sent his spirit to the disciples, and they were changed. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, the church movement had started. And in the book of Acts, you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, boom, you're in Acts, okay? Fifth book in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, and a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Here's the thing. The disciples were focused on understanding the truth. They were devoting themselves to teaching. Now Luke could have started off with a joyful, expanding, vibrant church, Hey, church, remember what happened at Pentecost? Let's build this church on excitement. Let's build this church on great accomplishments. Let's build this church on something fantastic that we did. Let's pat ourselves on the back, church. Yay, us, right? Let's go build the church. The disciples didn't start the church that way. They started off here, even though they experienced God's Spirit coming upon them at Pentecost, and they witnessed miracles. But in spite of all that, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. The church said, we need some solid truth. And these apostles who were chosen by Jesus Christ, who walked with Jesus Christ, they heard Jesus Christ teach. They lived with Jesus Christ. They knew exactly who Jesus Christ was. And they penned down the stories and they took note and they said, this is what we're going to teach to the church. And so the church grew because they were devoted to the teachings of the apostles. The very acts and words of Jesus Christ. You know, today we don't have Peter, we don't have James or John with us, but we've got God's Word. And we've got the inspired words of God Himself on paper so that we can read it. So that when we open up God's Word, all Scripture is inspired. It's God breathed. It's like God breathes into us as we read His Word. And the early church was devoted to that. But it says they were also devoted to something else. It says they were devoted to fellowship, which is simply common participation in God. First John 1 John 1.3 says this, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now fellowship begins, church, with your relationship with God. It needs to be a vertical thing going on. Before you can have a great relationship with people in this room and with your family and other people in other churches, you've got to have the vertical thing going right with God before you can get the horizontal thing going right with other people. When you draw away from God, you draw away from the church. When you decide, you know what, I'm unplugging from God, I don't need time with God, guess what relationship gets hurt as well? Your relationships with other people. What is God like? He's a generous God, isn't he? When the church drew near to God and one another, look at verses, go back to Acts chapter 2. Hopefully you're still there, okay? Acts chapter 2. Look at verses 44 and 45. And all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions, and shared the money with those in need. See, they were generous with one another because they were first learned what? Generosity from God. Because they were in fellowship with God, in a relationship with God, now they were able to have that relationship with each other. Because God is a generous God who gives freely. Then they learn it's not about being served, it's about serving others. Their relationship with God allowed them to have an incredible relationship with one another. The third thing we discover about this church is that they worshiped. The breaking of bread and prayer was formal and was informal. It says that they gathered together and praised God and prayed to God. It said they met in the temple courts and they met in homes. Verse 46, Acts chapter 2. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of the people. What they... Did at the outset of the church amplified their impact. This church is presented as a model church. You often hear it, it's like, well that's what's the first church like? Turn to Acts chapter 2 2 right and that's what we do. because it was a model church. It's perfect, right? but let me just share this with you. A few chapters later we find out that this model church has its flaws. There was some sin in the church. there are some doctrine that need to be corrected. There's some books in the New Testament. Paul had to address a couple of churches. Hey guys, you're thinking wrong on this. You've got some false teaching going on over here. And the church needed to be corrected. So here's the thing. There are hypocrites everywhere, okay? And we found out, here's the model church. This is a great start. But then they sort of messed up. God had to correct them at times, just like he does with us. So with all that being said, Here's what I want to do. I want to lay out three things real quick for you, okay? I want you to know what kind of church we want to be. be. I want you to understand what we believe about what a church is, but here's the kind of church I want True North to be. Going off of what we've just learned in Acts. We want to be a church where solid preaching is non-negotiable, okay? If somebody's up here at this pulpit, it better be solid preaching. If somebody's in the classroom, it better be solid teaching. Unfortunately, some churches don't want to offend people, so the pastor avoids certain issues of topic, right? Matter of fact, some churches are no longer preaching that Jesus is the only way of salvation, which floors my mind. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man comes unto the Father except through me, I'm sorry, that's non-negotiable. Well, church, we don't like it. Pastor, we don't like it. You don't, you don't take it up with me. Take it up with Jesus. He said it. I'm just repeating it, Okay? And if you don't like it that I preach truth, then go find a false church, okay? This is a truthful church. Non-negotiable. God's word is non-negotiable. And here's the thing. I'm not a narrow-minded pastor, okay? I'm solely focused on truth. And if the truth leads me down this narrow path for which God says, so be it. Culture, popular opinion cannot dictate the style of preaching and teaching. I'm sorry, but how is it today that we're okay with turning a Thou shalt not or do not into, it's okay. When you take a Greek translation for do not and translate it over to English today, it is not, it's okay. No, do not means do not. Okay? So we will preach that. Listen, when you go to the doctor, you need the truth, no matter how bad it is, right? You want to really sit in the doctor's office and say, listen, doc, I. I, I I know there's stuff going on with my body, but can you just tell me something that's not true about me so I can feel better? I'm okay. You're not sick. You're healthy as can be. I might have to call the mortuary tomorrow, set up an appointment for you, okay? Don't you want the truth? How about with your vehicle? You take it to a mechanic to get it fixed. Do you want to pull in? You know, there's something wrong with my brakes. I think they're about ready to give out. Hey, don't tell me my brakes need to be fixed. Tell me something I want to hear. Okay, your brakes are fine. You're probably going to crash on the way home. Okay, But you don't want to hear the truth, so I won't tell you the truth. I'll just lie to you. Listen, you go to the doctor's office, you go to the mechanic, you want the truth. So let me say this. You come to church, do you not want the truth? Yes. Yes. We better be teaching and preaching the truth. Here's the other thing. When you come to this church, we want to be a church where loving one another is genuine and real. John 13, 34 to 35 says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I love you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Now, again, I know we're not perfect on this one, okay? And hopefully that other one, we're a lot closer. But this one, there are mornings. And I want to tell you something. There's a few weeks ago. I just loved it. Okay, this is going to be awesome. Because today when we get done singing, you don't have to grab a chair, okay? That's going to be really cool. A lot of you are going to be standing around you're like, what do I do? Right? Okay. Here's what I saw a few weeks When I see it often. And there was one Sunday I just stopped. I, I went and took my mic off, and I turned around. I saw, like, people shaking hands and hugging and big smiles, greeting each other and talking. I was thinking, man, there's some love going on in this room. That was way cool. And it was very encouraging. I'm going to tell you, on Wednesday nights, Mike Fogarty shows up to pick up his, his girls. And when he comes walking in those doors... He's like, hey, come here. Hey, come here. You know? It's about right, isn't it? I tried to get the little, hey. I just, I can't beef up like you, Mike, man. I'm telling you, it was like, and there's, it was funny because I think it was maybe last week that, or week ago, I can't remember. There's somebody that's like, oh, I'm sick, I'm sick. Oh, I don't get sick, come here. It's like, right? We were all like, he's going to get sick, okay? i love that about mike i love that about the church that you love one another you know how you can love one another because the fact that you love god first and he loves you so now you're able to love one another and i pray that this is the kind of church that loves one another that when somebody is sick you're reaching out to them maybe you're making a meal maybe you're helping people with opportunities where they need moving stuff around or whatever it may be you're showing genuine love now here's the thing we're probably going to mess up on this you might get sick, you might have a surgery, we didn't know it, and you're like, they didn't make meals for me, I'm not going to that church anymore, okay? It might happen, and if it happened to you, i want to say right now, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it. Seriously, not a lot of people avoid calling the pastor like, well, I've had surgery, but I do not want to tell you because I didn't want you to come visit me. Okay, that happens, it really does happen, okay? So here's the thing, if I didn't know you were in the hospital, we can't set up meals for you, Okay? So that might happen. So I apologize if we miss you and missing the opportunity to love you. But So let's do this. Let's get better at it. This is something we can always work on, right? Love one another. Here's the third one and the final one. We want to be a church where reaching the lost is a priority. I will never forget when Mark Cahill came to our church. Remember Mark Cahill? Tall, six foot, eight, I don't know, something like that. He was a former basketball player to Auburn University, he played with Charles Barkley, and he came and he preached on evangelism, because we said we need to get better at sharing the truth, right? So Mark K.O. got a preaching, and he got a preaching, and we usually end our service at 11.15. That morning at 11.15, he said, all right, open up your Bibles to Ezekiel. I'm going, he's just getting started. (laughs) And I was sitting right there, and it's like, oh, I hope the church doesn't get mad, you know? And he preached, and he preached, and he preached, and 45 minutes later, 12 o'clock noon, he wrapped it up. And if you remember, if you were there, I came up front and I said, Hey, parents, first of all, um, if you would go back and give the children's church workers a big hug and thank them so much. And he's like, he stood up and he goes, I don't have kids. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you remember that? And, but here's the thing. Mark Cahill, when he got done, people were like, it's 12 o'clock. We're 45 minutes past. Everybody's like, that was awesome. We had an evangelism training class that afternoon. We had 12 people sign up. We had 70 people show up as a result of that. People got fired up, and I was like, this is great. The next day, he talked at our FCA leadership uh, uh, training. He stood up in front of the kids at the FCA, this, our, our student leaders and adult leaders, and he said, you guys, you're all part of FCA, obviously, this is a training for you. do you know what the mission is for FCA? Do you know, do you know your mission? Every, he said, everybody stood up, and everybody stood up and goes, now, now if, you can, if you know the mission for FCA, remain standing. If you don't know to have a seat. Everybody sat down. Not one person knew the mission statement for FCA. I was like, oh boy, that's not good. See, our mission is to present to athletes and coaches and all whom they influence, the challenge and adventure of receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and serving the fellowship with one another and the church. That's our mission statement. Our mission is to reach out to every person that's athletic and everyone they influence, which is basically everybody. We want them to know about Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Nobody seemed to know it. He turned around. He picked up a yearbook. And it was black and white. And he's like, I want to show you something. He opened up and there was a page that said FCA. And it had a group picture of the kids that were in FCA at his his high school. He goes, this is the FCA group. And he started naming it off. That's Mikey and that's... That's Johnny and Susie and Lisa. and Oh, and he's just naming them all. If He knew them all. And he goes, I was a junior in high school. I was being recruited to play Division I basketball. So a lot of kids knew me. I was in a car accident. I put my head through the windshield of a car. I should have died. I survived. Here I am, a survivor, a Division I stud athlete. And you want to know who shared Jesus with me? He opened up that page and pointed at FC, and he goes, not one of them He shut the book and threw it down. He said, this group is devoted to telling people about Jesus, but they knew me, who was being recruited, who should have died. Had I died in that car accident, I would have gone to hell. And not one of my friends told me about Jesus. That stuck with me. He started off our leadership training with that. And I was like, that's good enough, (laughs) you know? That was so heavy, that was so hitting, so impactful, I had to stop and think about this. Church, do we know our mission? Our mission is to turn atheists into missionaries, right? Our mission is to impact the world for Jesus Christ. We are to lead people to Christ so that they can lead people to Christ. It's a mission of the church. Let's not forget the final verse in Acts 2.47 when it said this, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Listen, the Lord grew the church. It says the Lord added. It didn't say, and the disciples, clever teaching. Oh, and the disciples love for one another. Oh, and, and the disciples, really cool band, and an awesome preacher who was taking selfies with the congregation. Okay? That didn't lead people to church. That didn't lead people to God. That didn't save people. The Lord added. It was because of their obedience to teaching the truth, to fellowshipping with one another, to loving one another, to knowing their mission and reaching out and worshiping. That's what led people into the opportunity to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. It wasn't about a building. I'm excited about having this, but I really am, even though I didn't do a big woohoo, okay? I really am excited about having a building. I never thought 10 years ago we would have this. But you know what? This building doesn't save people. It's the people in it who are being obedient to their God, who will share the truth and love. And they will discover that there's a God who loves them, and their lives will be changed for eternity. There's a lot of reasons why people don't go to church. I get it. Because the church is full of hypocrites, right? I get it. Well, so is Walmart. So is Chief. So is the movie theater, and so is ballparks. But you're all still going there, aren't you? Right? Don't use that excuse. Right? Well, I had my feelings hurt at church. You probably had your feelings hurt at home, and you went back home, didn't you? You probably had your feelings hurt at school, but you probably still went back to school, right? We get our feelings hurt in a lot of places. Or, I don't like organized religion. Guess what? Neither do I. Okay? I like a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And you know what? Here's the thing, though. No. I don't like chaotic religion either. So we better have a little organization to what we do. Okay? Listen, you don't have to go to church. You get to go to church. You have the opportunity to gather as God's people. And you might think, listen, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But the truth is, if you're an obedient Christian, you're going to church. You're getting plugged in. You're discovering that this isn't an obligation. This is an opportunity. God's invited you to partner with him as he works in the world. You get to work with the living God of this universe through the church. That's what we believe about the church. And just as the disciples were focused on learning and teaching the truth and sharing in love and being in a place where they could have fellowship and they could worship in song and have constant um, contact with God through prayer, I want to encourage us to do the same. So I'm going to give you a challenge as we wrap this up. Worship team, would you come forward, please? I'm going to ask you to do this. As I throw up on on the slide here. I want to encourage you. I heard about another church that did this in Florida. The pastor asked the church to set their alarms on their phones, at their clocks, at 2.42 in the afternoon. At 2.42 in the afternoon, I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray for our church. Pray that we study truth. Pray that we have genuine love. Pray that we have a heart of worship. Because as we study God's Word and as we love one another... And as we worship God, it's going to change you. It's going to change our church. And people will come to know who Jesus Christ is. 242. So some of you are like sitting on your lawn right now. Like, this just, I appreciate that. It's good. Okay. What if 200 plus people, I have no idea how many people here, are, but what if 200 plus people every day at 242 was praying for this church? You don't have to pray just for this church. Pray for other churches. You've got family members that go to other churches. Pray for them, too. Listen, we don't need one church that's vibrant. We need thousands, millions of churches that are vibrant. This isn't just about True North. I'd be okay if every single church in this community and surrounding communities was on fire for God. That would be incredible. You don't need to just pray for our church. Pray for every church. Would you please stand with me? As we get ready to close, you've often heard me say this, and I thought about it. It's like, I haven't said this too often lately, but I need to say it more often. I always say, hey, you know, next week, invite somebody to church, right? Listen, it's not about this church. It's inviting somebody to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to invite somebody to Jesus Christ this week. And if they end up coming here, that that's awesome. But you know, it's not about this place. It's about the people in this place being obedient to God. But here's the thing. Do you know Jesus Christ? It's got to start with you having that relationship with our Heavenly Father. So I'm going to pray, and as I pray, if you don't have a relationship with the God of this universe, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life for His Holy Spirit to indwell you, now's a good time. Now's a good time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are an awesome God. I thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us that we can worship you. I thank you, Lord, that we can learn about what it means to be the church because we want to be a church that truly does teach truth and preach truth. We want to be a church that genuinely, we just really do love others. We want to worship you, God, and we want to pray to you, and as we do that, we want to share you with other people. We want to reach a world that's lost. God, I pray for this church that we can be that way. But before we do all that, before we become that, we need to have that relationship with you. So God, I just, we're just going to pause and if if there's anybody in this room right now, you don't know who God is as your heavenly Father you've never asked for forgiveness now's a good time we all make mistakes we all mess up we all need to be forgiven we need to have that new relationship started up and we need what only Christ could do for us and that's come to this earth pay a penalty that we couldn't pay by dying on that cross and with his resurrection and defeating death new life. There's a new power. So we ask for your spirit to come within us, to lead us, to guide us every day. If you need to pray that prayer, ask him right now for forgiveness. Ask him to come into your life. If you need to renew your life and recommit your life to Christ, do that right now. Get it right with God because you're not going to be able to get it right with anybody else until you get it right with him first. God, we want to be a church that honors you, but first we got to make sure we got it right with you. Heavenly Father, as we sing this song, may it be a celebration. May it be a day when we walk out of this saying, this, we're going to go be the church. No more messing around. So we don't have enough chairs. We'll get more chairs. We'll find space. It don't matter. We want to be a part of what you're doing, God. We want to learn the truth. We want to speak the truth. We want to love one another. We want to reach a world that's lost. It begins with you being that solid foundation and working through us. So God, we pray for that. God, we love you. In precious name we pray. Amen.